Thomas wants to get it in quickly. Does to Lambeer. Stolen by Murray to the cut to DJ. What's up, guys? How we doing? This is Tim Daniel of the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. Uh, normally, not one to do episodes on back-to-back days, but it is post-lottery time, so now we know the results. And of course, I had to do a mock draft, right? Uh, this is going to be absolutely horrible, I'm sure. I, you know, This never goes the way anyone thinks it does, and it is always fun. But this is you know, fresh off of the lottery results tonight. Uh, we're gonna go through and just uh, make our picks to start out. To start it out, um, obviously, let's kind of talk about a few things here. First, obviously, the biggest winner has to, no question, be the San Antonio Spurs for getting the first overall pick, where they will very likely take Victor Wembanyama. I would say it's about a hundred percent chance, maybe one hundred and thirty, if I could go that far. Uh, so obviously, them getting him is pretty awesome. Um, and then we've got. A little bit of more situation there where we get it seems like the Charlotte Hornets come in number two, uh, Portland at number three, hopping up two spots, uh, Houston dropping two spots to four. Obviously, the biggest loser here, unfortunately, is the Pistons dropping all the way to five, but still going to get a really good player there. Um, so that really makes this part a little bit more fascinating. Um, I like, you know, I like how it shaked out. I would have loved to have seen Orlando win it again to have a Paolo Wembeyama combination, but. That's okay. They're getting the sixth pick. And of course they get the 11th pick from the bulls. So this is going to be fascinating and let's go ahead and get started here because this is late at night. And I don't know if anyone's even paying attention with the fact the Lakers are getting walloped right now, like walloped, walloped. Uh, but obviously at number one overall, if I'm the San Antonio Spurs, we know what they're doing here. They're taking Victor Wembeyama. Once again, the San Antonio Spurs get a potential generational big man uh, to add to the level of David Robinson in 87, Tim Duncan in 97, and now Victor Wembeyama joins the front. Uh, this is the easiest pick in the history, maybe since LeBron, um, as far as like the first overall pick. So I don't think we have to go too much into it, but this is a guy who can do it all. We've heard this a million times already about what he brings to the table. He is seven foot five. He is 220 pounds. Uh, we all obviously want to see him get stronger. I think he will, especially with an NBA level, but uh, his rebounding ability, his shooting ability. I know he didn't shoot the three very well in, in the, uh, in France, but I think that's going to come around, especially in the NBA. An awesome passer. The wingspan is obviously through the roof. Uh, this is a guy who can do it all. And I think is going to be a tremendous NBA player and uh, everyone keep an eye out for Victor Wembeyama pick cards next year, especially with tops coming back. That's going to be the guy to invest in, obviously. So really this draft starts at two, right? Uh, two this year is the Charlotte Hornets. 
And between the two guys you hear about the most, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, uh, they both aren't exactly perfect fits for what Charlotte needs in this circumstance for a guy, you know, Lamella Ball and crew. Um, but I think the better fit of the two is definitely Brandon Miller out of Alabama, the 6'9 wing. Uh, he's going to be 20 years old. Obviously, you look at Brandon Miller and the shooting ability jumps out. His movement, his ability to take the ball off screens. There's so many things he can do well. Um, this is a guy who literally had a lot of controversy and still went out and scored 40 points with everything hanging over his head. Uh, so the scoring will not be an issue there. I think he's going to be a star. Um, I don't love, like I said, I don't think either one of these two between him and Scoot would have been a great fit for Charlotte, but I think Miller's the better fit of the two. Um, is this something where maybe I doubt Charlotte trades back? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. Um, I think they're going to go with Miller. I think they're going to be fine getting Miller as well. And, uh, the LaMelo ball, uh, scoot, I mean, Brandon Miller combination is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, that takes us to number three at Portland who moved up a bit in this lottery. Um, obviously, you know, this is a team that has Dean Lillard. They have Shaden Sharp. Uh, how do we get more athletic? We get Scoot Henderson. Uh, that of the G, the G League Ignite, a two-year player at G League Ignite at that. Uh, there's a lot of things about Scoot Henderson's game that you can love. Uh, Parker and I talked about this in the draft show that, yeah, you know, shooting is obviously not the reason you're drafting Scoot Henderson, though I think he can develop into being a decent shooter. But this is a guy who, you know, a lot of comps are uh, Russell Westbrook as far as like a young Westbrook. And obviously, you know, we're not saying he's going to average a triple double or be an MVP by any means, but he does do it all. He is a point rebound assist kind of guy. He is a get the rebound and start the break kind of guy. And if you're getting Russell Westbrook's potential at pick three, uh, no one's going to be upset about that. This kind of comes back to another situation of, I don't necessarily love his fit with Damian Lillard. Uh, that's if Damian Lillard's even going to be there. Uh, going, again, this regret coming up. Or does Portland maybe look at potentially moving back a couple spots? Someone moves up to go and get a more, more someone like Scoot to make this better. But Scoot and Dave Lord on the floor together. Um, it's interesting. I don't love it whatsoever. Um, but you know, those are the three most obvious picks here. I think, and I think everyone kind of agrees there as well. So one, two, three was obviously Wembeyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. At number four, if you are the Houston Rockets, you have a lot of options here. You obviously have a really young team. You have a very young point guard in Jalen Green. There's these rumors about James Harden potentially coming back, which sound more and more likely by the day. Um, if I am the Rockets, I know a lot of people are going to want to go Amen Thompson. Amen Thompson is so good. The athleticism, a perfect cutter to have with Jalen Green and that young crew they have down there, the Alpine Shangoons and guys like that. Um, but I think I'm going to go Jarris Walker here. And maybe this is a, ta a terrible pick by me. Um, this is a team that already has, you know, Tari Eason. They already have Alpine Shangoon. They have Kenya Martin Jr. They have these big body players, but I would not be shocked at Jarris Walker. I think he's the best defensive player in this draft. And this is a guy who can pass the ball really well out of a double team. He was unstoppable at times for Houston this past year. Uh, not much of a shoot a scorer by any means. Uh, I shouldn't say, I should say not much of a shooter. He did average uh, per 36 minutes, 15 points a game in college, uh, but was a 34% three point shooter. Actually, that's going to be pretty solid, but the rebounding, the blocking, the potential rim protecting, he is six, eight. He is kind of built sort of like, kind of like Draymond, Draymond, but he is uh, not, to that skill set, but I do think he's a very, very good defensive player. 
I could see him kind of having that upside. So I think that this is the first time the Rockets sink defense in a long time uh, since they haven't played it since Chris Paul left. Um, that brings us to Detroit at number five. And look, you got your pick here between the Thompson twins and Amen and Asar. Uh, both guys extremely skilled, very similar on uh, how they play on the court. But I'm taking Amen Thompson. And I think I just count on him to score a little more than I do Asar. And that's not a slight on Asar at all. I think both kids are tremendous. Uh, I would love, I mean, Amen has to become a better three-point shooter. Shooting 23% last year in D League Ignite, I mean, uh, in the Overtime Elite League, uh, 16 points a game, but six rebounds, six assists a game, you know, super athletic, can pass the ball, can get steals for you, can, play, can be a potential two-way guy, can get rebounds. Um, I do want to see him cut down his turnovers. Obviously, you want to see him become a better shooter. That very much can come, but, you know, maybe Thompson uh, should probably, you know, He's another guy you can put with Kate Cunningham, with Jaden Ivey, with um, you know, those all the bigs I had the James Wisebins, uh, you know, and guys like that, and kind of keep building this younger core up and making things happen. And I think Thompson would be awesome there. And I think that the Pistons, as they continue to get these young, athletic guys and build toward build forward, would be a perfect situation. Uh, which at number six with Alma Orlando, I take Asar Thompson and Asar Thompson with Markel Fultz with. Franz Wagner with Paolo Bancara with Wendell Carter. I love this team. Absolutely love this team. Uh, he's a little bit of a better shooter. I would say a little bit by he shot 30% in uh, overtime elite compared to 23% for his brother uh, per 36 minutes, about 21 points per game kind of guy and very similar uh, playmaking two way combo guard who can also play a little bit of defense can get rebounds, can block shots uh, from the guard position. Doesn't turn it over a whole lot. Uh, his assist turnover ratio is something that's going to be pretty, pretty confident in. Uh, but I do want to see a little bit more of, you know, being more steady with the ball. And in a situation here with guys like Cole Anthony, you know, he is going to be competing for having the ball at situ in situations. Um, you know, this is definitely Paolo's team, but I think he could be a really, really fun fit and add to what this team is building under Jamal Mosley to kind of keep moving forward. So um, I'm sure that they would absolutely love if Asar Thompson drops here. Uh, so I think I'm going there as well. That brings us to number seven. Halfway through the lottery, the Indiana Pacers. And I'm taking the big old 6'7", athletic as heck freshman out of Villanova, Cam Whitmore. Holy moly, Cam Whitmore's athleticism is insane. He played for Carmelo Anthony's AAU team. He's a kid from Archbishop Spalding High School. Played at Villanova for a year last year, though was hurt and missed the beginning of the year. Um, look, this is a guy who's got a lot of work to do, but he has developed a shooting ability. He can get to the rim. He is very young. I mean, he's gonna—he's not even gonna be 19 by the uh, by draft day. So he turns 19 in July. Uh, shot 34% from three last year at Villanova. Had five rebounds a game to go with just about 13 points per game. Um, I think he's just just you know the most. I don't know if the most athletic player in this draft considering Scoot Henderson there. He's the most athletic big. And if you're looking at Indiana, where you have guys like Miles Turner, you have guys like Tyrese Halliburton, you have the Buddy Heels, you're putting together this young group that you can be really, really excited about. Uh, the Ben Matherins, a group like that. And I think you can pencil Cam Whitmore with those guys right away, and he'll be able to play and contribute to what they're building. Uh, and plus, you know, they're a team that has a lot of opportunity to make some moves this offseason. So... I think Cam Whitmore makes a ton of sense here. 
Uh, the athleticism will just darling Pacer fans. You haven't had athleticism like this probably since uh, your first year, Victor Oladipo, and he's just going to make everything special there for them. Uh, that brings us to the Wizards. And this is where it gets a little interesting, right? This is kind of pick of the litter. You can throw anything at a wall and see what sticks because it's the Wizards. Uh, Johnny Davis obviously did not work out for them. What's the future look like of Kyle Kuzma and Bradley Beal and those guys? You know, how do they move forward? What about Daniel Gafford? What about Christoph Porzingis? What is the game plan for the Wizards? How do they want to build? And I think here, you know, you have the Porzingis, you have the Gafford pick. So I think I'm going to go wing because I don't know what my future looks like uh, past that. And I'm taking Anthony Black out of Arkansas for them. I love Anthony Black. This is the guy who attacks the rim, can draw fouls, can get some steals for you. Very long, very athletic. My, Eric Musselman used him so much as a perimeter defender for this team, for the Arkansas. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, when he has the ball in his hand, he's pushing, 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 pushing. Um, Definitely needs to improve as far as shooting, but playmaking is really solid. Defensive ability solid. I like him a lot, and I think the Wizards would really like him as well, especially as they kind of are deciding where they're moving forward. So I am going to go with Mr. Anthony Black there at number eight to the Washington Wizards. At number nine, we got the Utah Jazz, and this is also a really interesting pick because Utah obviously had the breakout year of Laurie Markkinen. Uh, you saw all the moves they made at the deadline to get more athletic and younger players. Also kind of having some salary dumps as well as guys like Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt uh, moving forward. And we're really a really, really good basketball team. Most of the year uh, they were really competitive. So you want to get a guy right because they feel like they're not too far away from maybe competing. Even after they blew up their team with the go bear and Mitchell trades. And you want to get a guy who can contribute right away. You want to get a guy you can put out there. He can get some shots up for you. He can make plays for you. And I think Grady Dick out of Kansas is an absolute perfect fit for the Jazz. This is a 40% three-point shooter uh, as for his year at Kansas. Uh, spreads the floor really, really well. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over. Can get to the line and shoot. Really, he's a really good free-throw shooter. And, you know, you can count on him. He did have about, you know, only a couple assists last year. But also managed to get five rebounds a game in the Big 12 as a guard. Uh, with how Bill Self used him. So that was really, really impressive. I think that this is a guy who you know has the capability of just lighting the gym up. Uh, he had multiple, multiple 20-point games this year at Kansas, uh, including that huge, huge 26-point game he had in February. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really good pick for them. I do think, you know, that last NCAA tournament game is something that teams are going to ask about. And I think he's going to have to be able to respond to that. But I, I really, really like him. And I think he'll be a good player for them. So at number 10, we have the Dallas Mavericks who just need players. Um, you know, it sounds like they're likely going to be stuck with Kyrie Irving because it sounds like the reports are the Lakers are not interested in bringing Kyrie in to work with, to play with LeBron again and play with Davis. Uh, so I don't know if there's going to be another situation for Kyrie. So, Dallas is going to look at a situation where you got Luca and what is Luca's future? Is Luca done with this? Is he growing impatient? Uh, you know, going from the Western conference finals to a top 10 pick and almost losing this pick to the Knicks. If it had been 11 through 14. Um, so, you know, a lot of interesting kind of decisions to go there. I think if I'm them, I'm looking at UCF's Taylor Hendricks, uh, six, nine, two, 10 freshman. You can put on the block. I can shoot the three. 
is you know a, a really good player has some a lot of improvement to go defensively but this isn't a team that really showed much defensive effort last year uh what you're getting in taylor hendricks as a 6-9 guy is a 39 percent three-point shooter last year in the nba in the in his year at ucf uh average just under 16 points per game for 36 minutes and can you know when he's on, he's on, he's lights out, and he's so fun. He's a double-double potential on a nightly basis. And, you know, this is a guy who put up 15-7 and seven his year at UCF. So Taylor Hendricks would be, you know, at this point, the best player available if you're the Mavericks. And as you're trying to build your roster back up from all the guys you lost, the Dorian Finney-Smiths, the Spencer Dinwiddies, uh, and this Kyrie Irving trade, you know, he's a really, he's a nice starting spot for them. So... I am really excited about him. Number 10 to Dallas. And then that brings us to Orlando's second pick. This is by way of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, You know, as we all know, if you listen to the show every week, how I feel about that. And that's what's kind of hard. You know, you've got four really, really potentially good guards sitting right there that you can kind of pick from to go with what you did already. Uh, It said, you know, earlier I had them pick Asar Thompson out of overtime elite. At the, with the number six pick. So um, I think I'm taking Kaysen Wallace, Kaysen Wallace here out of Kentucky. I think Kaysen is 6'4", 185, 185-pound guard. Uh, you can count on him to be a perimeter defender to go with Markel Fultz. I think you can actually play those two together. Uh, Cole Anthony obviously is there for scoring purposes, not much of the, not the best defender by any means. That's where Kaysen Wallace can really thrive in the NBA. Um, I don't know, love Kaysen's scoring ability. I think he can score. Uh, but I just don't think he does it enough. And I think that's going to be something that can try to hold him back. But uh, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to put you in bad situations uh, on, on the half-court offense. And I think with guys like Paolo, like Bull Bull, like Wendell Carter, like you know all those guys we needed earlier, he can be you know a nice facilitating guard for them. I know they have like 4,000 point guards, um, but I think Wallace would be a really good fit for them in this circumstance. I mean, you know, his last NCAA tournament game, I know they lost, but he played really, really well at it and kind of gave Kentucky a chance at times. So uh, I like Wallace there. I think he'll be a really good fit um, in Orlando. At number 12, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who a lot of people were wondering if they're going to make any, make any moves by taking their 40,000 picks and moving up to in the draft. Very possible for this exercise. We're going to act like they don't do that. I'm taking Jordan Hawkins of the national champion UConn Huskies. I love Jordan Hawkins. This is another three-level scorer who can do a lot of great things. And oh boy, when he is on and he has got his shot going, he is a blast uh, to watch play basketball. Uh, He's 21, so he's a little older in this draft. You know, 39% three-point shooter, 89% free throw shooter, averaged 60 points a game, and won a national championship was spectacular spectacular in moments. I mean, his tournament, he was great, you know, leading this, helping this team win a national title. And if you're a team right here, like Oklahoma city, you've got Shea, you've got Giddy, you've got, you know, all this young talent. You're, you were just in the play and you were, you know, a win or two away from being in the NBA playoffs this year. And you got a shot. And I think he's a guy that you can plug and play. I think he's a guy who, you know, obviously he's won at the highest level possible and dude, he's a straight scorer. And you can't ask for much more of him. He'll be perfect in the half court to go alongside uh, guys like Shea and guys like Giddy, who are really good at kind of making plays happen. Shea, you know, probably a top 10 player right now. Giddy, uh, facilitating tall guard. Uh, and you're getting Chet Holmgren back. 
So, you know, hopefully he's healthy enough. So I think that's going to be a fun, fun fit. Um, but there, like I said, there are a lot of names you can go here. And that's where Toronto comes in. This is a team who's been looking for some solid point guard play. Uh, Fred Van Vliet obviously struggled this year. That was really disappointing. And I'm going to go here with Baylor's Keontae George. Uh, Keontae George is a three-point shooter. I think he's going to do really well in that circumstance. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. He averaged about 34%. Not terrible. Efficient. Um, but, you know, Toronto's a team that's going to be looking for an identity now that Nick Nurse is not the head coach anymore uh, after their national, after their NBA championship a few years back. You know, they have the Scotty Barnes. They have who I think will bounce back. I think he'll have a good year next year. Obviously, Pascal Siakam's there. Uh, they do get a solid center in Yaka Pertl that they got back in a trade this week, this year from San Antonio at the deadline. So I think this is a good pick for them. Keontae George is, you know, at times looked like a top six draft pick this year. Uh, at times looked like, you know, I'm late to mid first. I, that's a, that's a lie. That's probably pushing it too hard. Um, but I like Keontae George, um, you know, think he's the best player here for their situation. So I could see them going that route. So Keontae George to Toronto at 13 and we round out the lottery with the new Orleans Pelicans who boy, they need a point guard. Right. And, you know, CJ McCollum was playing the point guard a lot this year for them. You know, obviously the big question will forever be how many games will they get a Zion Williamson and his, you know, what is he going to be able to bring them? So I think you kind of are looking at different options there and different routes. And, I think you're going to go point guard here. And I think you're going to take Nick Smith jr. Out of Arkansas. And he's a combo guard. And in some people's eyes, you know, he's a guy who battled injury this year. I think he could have been much better throughout the season. Had he been there, but he's, you know, got the upside to be, you know, a really good NBA point guard, but he's also got a lot of question marks attached to him. Um, you know, this is a guy who was a highly, highly, I mean, top two recruit in the country last year. Uh, but, you know, didn't have the best showing in his sort his time at Arkansas. Did only play about 17 games. Uh, so I suspect that he'll be a little better once he's on the floor consistently. Uh, man, he's got to shoot better. This is a guy who shot 38% from the floor last year. 74% from the line is not bad, but you want to see that bump up a little more. Um, other names you could see them consider here if you're in New Orleans. Uh, maybe a little bit down. Maybe this is too high for him, but. A guy like Jalen Hood Shafino out of Indiana, very similar situation combo guard. Uh, Jed Howard out of Michigan, who I really, really like. I think is going to have a good NBA career. Um, and maybe a guy like Bryce Sensabaugh, who I think is just going to be an unbelievable shooter in the league. I do have some questions about him, though. So uh, let's go to 15 with the Atlanta Hawks here. And I think I'm going to take one of the guys I just talked about for them. I think I'm going to take Jet Howard. And this is why. So Jed Howard was a shooting guard last year at Michigan, obviously. Uh, 6'8", 215 pounds shooting guard. Um, projects to shoot the NBA three pretty well. Doesn't turn the ball over, like I said. And is young. So he's got a lot of upside to go. But, man, he's got a lot of defense to learn. I think Quinn Snyder will see that. I think he'll see his body frame. And he'll say, I can make that guy a good defensive player in the NBA. If he can't, no one can. Uh 37% shooter from the three-point lane from three-point last year, 80% from the line. Did shoot about 41% from the floor. So I want to see they got that get bumped up a little bit. But, you know, this is a team with a lot of questions again. You know, we're in the play, we're in the playoffs. And, you know, obviously got beat by the Celtics. 
And then, you know, there's all these murmurs about the future with Trey Young and what's going to happen with them. And if it feels like he's even going to be on this team next year, you know, so this could potentially be a thing where they look for their point guard of the future if they don't have Trey Young. I think he'll be there next year. I can't imagine Quinn Snyder took the job and was like, no, I'm not going to have him. So uh, Jed Howard to pair with Trey Young. We'll see. Um, you know, obviously there might be some sexier names there, but we'll see. Uh, going back to we got Utah here, who I had taken Taylor Hendricks earlier. No, I'm sorry. I had him taking Grady Dick. So let's keep the shooting alive here. Let's keep the shooting going for the Utah Jazz. I'm taking Bryce Sensabaugh. Uh, maybe the best pure shooter besides Brandon Miller in this draft. Uh, just a straight shooting machine can rack up points. Uh, last year in at Ohio State shot 41% from the floor, 83% from three, and just under 50%. I mean, I'm sorry, 41% from three, 83% from the line, and just under 50% from the floor. And averaged about 16.3 points a game. That was an Ohio State team that did not play very well. So with this situation here, the biggest question I've gotten from scouts about him is, you know, how's he going to get his shot off in the NBA? And what they mean by that is he's not a guy who can kind of run the dribble handoff and get and receive the ball off the screen and just kind of pop it up. Is he a guy you just plug in the corner and he catches and shoots? Because catch and shoot, there's no one better than him in this draft. So that is where Bryce Sensabaugh kind of comes in. You know, if you look at a team like Utah, who is getting all these guys, if they do, in fact, get Grady Dick and Bryce Sensabaugh, Jazz fans are walking out ecstatic from this draft. Ecstatic. And they should, because those two dudes to go with what they're building, I was marketing, stretch the floor, uh, and, and such, I think could be a lot of fun. That takes us to the Lakers, who are getting trounced right now. And this is a team that has a lot of question marks as far as, you know, they have three guys that are currently on their roster that are on the books for next year. And that's LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, it sounds like they have all intents and purposes of bringing D'Angelo Russell back. It sounds like there's mutual interest there. Austin Reeves, is he going to be back? Is obviously the big question. You know, teams are really, really curious about him. They're going to throw some cash at him. Um, so I think the Lakers would like to keep him. And I think they rationally could. The money situation for them is not going to hurt them next year, like I said, with what all they have in this D'Angelo Russell ex uh, extended co con new contract could be bigger than they probably want to pay. So that conversation should be good. But with them, uh, I'm taking, oof. I'm taking Jalen hood Shafino. I think India, you know, this is a guy who can play point grade out of Indiana. Is he going to be on the team at the trade deadline next year? Probably not. Uh, he's definitely a project player. This is not the deepest NBA draft by any means. Uh, but you know, he's a, 13.4 rebound, three assist kind of guy. Doesn't sound very sexy, but has the NBA body frame, total project guy. Uh, that's kind of where this draft kind of drops off a little bit. But, you know, being around LeBron, being around Davis, your job's easy at that point, man. Uh, whether you're playing the one or the two, or you are the one and D'Angelo Russell can kind of be your two and be your cutter and things like that. Uh, maybe not the best pick here. Derek Whitehead is obviously a name that could be really, really intriguing to Laker fans for his ability to shoot the three. Um, but I already put Shafino in, so I have to stick with it, uh, which means Miami would get Derek Whitehead. And that's just the Miami heat. Perfect situation. Uh, man, love that guy. Love that guy. He's a really, really good player. Uh, 
this is what you're getting from Derek Whitehead. Obviously, the Duke Blue Devil last year was a guy a lot of people were really interested in, but he is a potential three-point shooter. Very similar to Sensa Boss, shot in that same level, that 42% from the floor, 43% from three, just about 80% uh, from the free throw line. Didn't shoot as much as I would like to him to, um, but you know, he's a Montverde, Montverde Academy kind of kid. Uh, you know, had an interesting year at Duke last year with everything they kind of went through. So, but uh, Derek Whitehead, I think in, in, with Miami, he's a guy who's going to come in and he's going to be in shape very quickly. Uh, he's already in pretty good shape now, obviously. And they're going to bust him till he gets, uh, they're going to bust him till he works hard on defense and he will do just that. He'll buy into heat culture. He was obviously part of the brotherhood at Duke. Um, so I think Derek Whitehead to the heat in this fake draft. Number 19, we have the Golden State Warriors who have a lot of questions moving forward as well. You know, what's the future of Clay Thompson? What's the future of Draymond Green? It sounds like Draymond is all intents and purposes of returning to the team. And why wouldn't he with this player option? So I think I'm kind of reaching here according to a lot of experts. And if I'm the Warriors, I'm looking for another guy who can shoot and help me stretch the floor with Curry and Wiggins. And give me Chris Murray out of Iowa. Chris Murray last year as a, you know, his body is built just like his brother Keegan. Not as good of a shooter, but still pretty good. Uh, 47% from the floor last year, 33% from three, 73%. Scored 20 points a game for Iowa last year. Projects to shoot pretty well at the NBA level. Can score at multiple levels. And if you're the Warriors, that's the kind of guy you need. You know, you've had a lot of mishaps at the, you know, you've had a lot of unlucky draft picks. I think, you know, Kuminga's obviously shown some promise. Moses Moody was playing pretty big minutes for them uh, as they were getting, you know, rounding up their season. So I think uh, you put Chris Murray on the Warriors. He's a guy who has played multiple years. Of, I mean, he's played. He's very, his maturity level will fit in just fine there. I think he fits the Dub Nation culture. He's a junior, in, you know, and if you are, he can be your Dream on Green backup or he could be your heir to Dream on Green's current position. So we'll see what they do there. All right, at number 19, you got the Rockets with their second pick. And this is where, I don't know if this is the best pick, but I'm going to think like the Rockets here. You know, let's just do it because it's what they do. Uh, I'm taking Leonard Miller out of the G League Ignite. 6'10", 211 pounds, small forward, 7'2", wingspan, super athletic. Stop me if you've heard this before with the Houston Rockets, but... He's a rebounding machine, guys. He will grab it off the rim. He will push to the average 10 a game last year. Uh, definitely needs to improve his ability to shoot from three. But this is a guy who can duck the ball really well. He's a double-double machine. Well, at least he was with the Ignite team last year in their 38 games. Played about 30 minutes a game, putting up 17 points and 10 rebounds, and was 79% from the free throw line. Um, this defense is definitely worrisome. I think he can definitely – I don't know if he's a guy you can play in a playoff series. But I don't think the Rockets are looking at the playoffs next year unless James Harden does, in fact, come to town and a few other things happen. So we'll see how this goes. But I like that pick for them. This brings us to the next two picks are the Brooklyn Nets at 21 and 22. 21 by way of the Suns and the Kevin Durant trade. And I am going to go here with old from New Zealand Breakers, Ryan Rupert. This is a definitely project player. You could see him playing a little bit for the Long Island Nets next year, but has tremendous upside and has the athletic frame that you want from a guy like that. I think he could be a really good NBA player. 
uh, but also could see him being a seven, eight minutes kind of guy. So uh, Rupert's going to be interesting. I think that they're going to be just blown away by his upside, like you are with any of these guys that are playing in this middle first round. So we'll kind of see that route for them. And then at 22, I'm going to go with Gigi Jackson. And Gigi Jackson is definitely also a guy that a lot of people are trying to figure out. He reclassified, played a year early at South Carolina. Uh, things did not go their way, obviously. It's, you know, late, very late first. Could have, you know, of the year of college, potentially could have been much higher, um, you know, for the, for the 24 draft. But wanted to give it a shot. And things did not go well there. I still really like him a lot. The draft age is definitely going to be something that's going to jump out, especially at 22. The Nets like these athletic long guys. And I think he could definitely be another guy who you take it the first round, you put in the Long Island, and you have him play there for a while and see what you get from him. So um, I think the Nets are doing a good job building a roster for the future, you know, especially after the trades they made for, what, for Kyrie and Durant to get out there, what they got for them. And I think at this point you kind of get more guys like that to help you out as well. All right, so that brings us to Portland's second pick by way of the Knicks and the Josh Hart trade. And I am going to try to go here hmm, from Portland. I'm just looking through this at my phone as I kind of go through the process. Earlier, I had Portland taking Scoot Henderson, so you kind of are counting them out on guard there. Um, and I think I'm going to go with... Wembeyama's teammate Bilal Kolabali, who is a defensive machine and I think just fits Portland really well for what they're trying to do and build with a young roster. So we'll go with Bilal there. Um, I need to watch a lot more tape on him, but what I've seen the spurts of, I've really liked his his isolation defense skills. And obviously when you have Wembeyama behind you, that definitely helps because teams are not going to be trying to drive at the paint and you, have those, you can get guys on an island a little easier. But I do like him, and I could see him potentially being really good there. So we shall see. That brings us to number 24 with the Sacramento Kings. And that is going to be where you take Michigan's Kobe Bufkin, the sophomore shooting guard. 6'4 guard, uh, you know, 175 pounds. Is pretty similar as far as like that, you know, 49% from the floor, 36% from three, 85% from the line. Scored 14 points a game for Michigan last year. Uh, a lot of questions there as far as his, his consistency to get to the free throw line, I think is what holds him back from kind of moving up higher in this draft. Uh, but I like him. I think he could be a good player. The Kings are a team that's going to, you know, building something really special, had a great year last year, have Mike Brown, who was the coach of the year. Um, so that's going to be a fit for them. I could really see. All right. And that brings us to Memphis at 25 and oh boy, what does this team look like next year? How long are they without John Morant? And we already know Dylan Brooks is not coming back as he has been told he will not return by any means necessary. Who do I like here? I'm going to go. And this is also probably a bit of a reach because this is a guy you could probably see going in the second round. But I'm going to go with my dude Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. I think he's this close to figure he got a shot consistently in the league. Uh, he shot 35% from three last year. He's a really long guy. He is a first-round pick. Uh, in my eyes, 6'7", 195 pounds. Pepperdine obviously didn't play in the greatest conference. He was playing like Gonzaga and St. Mary's every year. But uh, I think Maxwell Lewis has some really tremendous upside and has the body frame you're looking for there as well. Um, definitely some other names you can look at here. Guys like Noah Clowney, guys like Colby Jones, 
Uh, Marcus Sasser is obviously a name is going to jump out. Um, so I'm going to stick with Maxwell Lewis here. Don't love it, but at this point, it's the end of the first. So we're kind of seeing how this goes. Uh, 26 to the Indiana Pacers. I'm going to take a player I watched a lot of in college basketball all three years of his college career, and that's Colby Jones out of Xavier. So Colby Jones, a combo guard who saw play multiple, multiple situations last year, you know, his, his couple years at Xavier, whether he was the two as a cutter or the one, uh, really improved last year, shot, you know, had a huge jump in three-point shooting ability, uh, shooting 38%, was part of a Sweet 16 team, uh, averaged 15 points a game, played really well with guys like Soleil Boom and Jack Nunchi, showed up when was needed, obviously, you know, that Texas game showed some of his word of where he needs to work on his athleticism. I don't know the defensive player he could be, but Xavier used him as a Swiss Army knife, and he was a guy that didn't turn the ball over. He was really aggressive, had no issues fighting to get to the rim. I mean, look, took a lot of elbows to the face in his time in college and got up and kept playing. As the Pacers continue to build this young team that they're putting together, I think Colby Jones is a really good fit for them and to continue to build that bench potentially could be a spot starter for them as well. So Colby Jones to the Pacers and I can drive up and see him, you know, two hour drive. So I'd be all for that at 27. We have the Charlotte Hornets who earlier had the number two pick in the draft and took Brandon Miller. Uh, so we're going to continue to build this team and with big bodied wings. And I'm going to go Noah Clowney out of Alabama, this pick by way of the Denver Nuggets. So, what you're getting with Noah Clowney is a 6'10", 210-pound forward. Uh, the draft age job is going to be jump out. The defensive ability is there. Uh, there's a few things he's got to work on. But, you know, really good rebounder. Average eight rebounds a game for Alabama last year. A team that was pretty, you know, was the number one overall seed. I know they lost in the Sweet 16. Uh, but it's his rebounding ability is there. You know, definitely is not someone you're looking at as far as a three-point shooter by any stretch. Uh, shot 48% from the floor. You want to see that bounce up. Um, but 10 points a game, eight rebounds a game. Want to see him get more active in shot blocking. Want to see him push that, but I think that this is it. Where they are in this situation, I like him a lot. All right, so that's his last. We're down to the last three picks of the first round, and that brings us to Utah with their third pick of the first round at 28, and this is where I look at... Hmm... Let's talk about Jalen Wilson here out of Kansas. Senior Jalen Wilson, who a lot of people have in that late first, early second. Uh, I could definitely see you kind of going this route as well. Uh, senior player is obviously going to be something that jumps out. His age is going to be against him uh, as far as being a 22-year-old player. But uh, definitely the maturity level. He scored 20 points a game for Kansas last year. He's a bucket getter. Uh, so I think you could see a situation where Utah wants to put him on their team. I like that fit for them and could see him being a big, big dick time player for them. Uh, also, you know, has a lot of talent and a lot to tap into. I think with what they're building in Utah and how they're getting the most out of these players, I think he could fit pretty well there. At 29, we've got the Pacers who have this pick by way of the Celtics. And I'm going to go with Marcus Sasser out of Houston, a guy who has played in a lot of big time basketball is a really good perimeter defender. Um, Good dude needs to kind of, you know, work on a few things, obviously, but a backup to Halliburton, you know, playing 15, 16 minutes at most. Don't hate it. 38% three point shooter, uh, you know, uh, per 36 minutes 
averaged about just under 20 points a game. You want to see him get better as a passer, obviously. Uh, three assists a game last year, just under three rebounds a game. But, you know, like I said, the defensive ability is going to be what's kind of keeping him in this conversation. Um, can he stretch the floor and you know, shoot the ball a little better? He shot 38% from three last year. If he could be a three and D guard in the NBA, then you're going to be just fine. And if you can shoot, they're going to find a place for you. So getting Marcus Sasser 29 for the Pacers to go with Colby Jones um, and to go with Cam Whitmore. I love that draft for the Pacers. And I think Pacers fans would be through the roof if they got that draft. And that brings us to the last pick, which is the Clippers by way of the Bucks. And I am going to go here with. I haven't seen James Najee play as much as I'd like to, to put him here, even though I've know a lot of mocks have him at this point. Uh, so I'm going to hold up there and I'm going to go with the guy I have seen a decent amount of. And that's Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana. Um, you know, as a passer, everything you want from him to be uh, does not turn the ball over, has some defensive upside, does not foul a ton. Um, but as an older player, you know, was a five-star player who had an up and down tenure in his four years at Indiana, um, you know, did not shoot the three really, I don't think at all, come to think of it, but did put up 22 points a game for them and has a, a lot to be excited about. Can rebound, can pass the ball, can block shots, be a rim protector. Um, and, you know, a guy you see in Milwaukee all the time, these guys who just play these like five, you know, eight to 12 minute spot spurts for them and play really well. So I, I could definitely see Trace Jackson Davis being here. But, um, you know, if I see a little bit more James Najee, which I plan to before the draft is up, I'll try to see, you know, build this around. Look, I'm going to move this around a lot between now and the draft. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with me for during this. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, this is Tim Daniel for 48 Minutes. Have a good night, and I will see you all soon.